you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast has a higher BMI than QBR. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Wow, your hand motions are really going crazy. Hey, Dan. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> All right. You were looking at me. Well, I always right in. You're the last one that get intro- yeah. gets introduced, but then Wes, as has become his trademark, chimes in with... Hey, Dan. And then you come. That's a that's a bad sign for the show. I'm you not, know what? I, I think it's good to keep listeners on their toes. You start expecting the same exact thing every week, gets a little stale. Well, Greg, what happened there? Honestly, I, I, you know how I the show is opened like six hundred and forty-two times in a row, and you that's not what happened. Uh, this is the Sunday edition of the Around the NFL podcast, the flagship show uh, of the regular season for us. A big show ahead of us today in a, a Sunday that unfortunately was marred by injuries to some uh, key players. It could affect how everything happens. Everything is everything's always, you know, floating. You never know what's going to happen in the NFL. But when injuries enter the fray, it changes things quickly. Am I right, Christoph Wesley? Absolutely. It's a truism in football. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of stuff to get to today. We are going to get to uh, one of the great shootouts in recent history of the NFL. I think I'd go, out, go on a limb and say that when 100 points are scored between two teams. That's what happened in the Superdome, the Saints-Giants. A thriller, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. Still undefeated. <laughs> Who saw this coming? Let's face it. Undefeated, and one of those key injuries came out of that game uh, against the Steelers. We'll get to that. And, of course, our friend, the unofficial fifth member of the Around the NFL podcast crew, Colleen Wolf, will join us. Drop by in the studio. Connie Fox, as she's known. 
to outsiders. <laughs> really to no one. <laughs> no, people no, who no. listen to this podcast, that's about it. We did have a, I won't get into too many details, specific details, but we had a meeting with a shadowy league figure um, who insinuated, so you call her Connie Fox, that seems maybe a little bit sexist. And we were like, whoa, 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 chill out, shadowy league figure, SLF. Fox has nothing to do with like, whoa, she's a foxy. No, that was her name in high school, nickname that she went by, that she told us, and now we're repeating it. Absolutely. There's no controversy. They're trying to boil one up. Enough oversight. They're trying to like put us into some type of controversy. Oh, it's good you set the record straight right here. <laughs> Nobody will have any more <laughs> questions at all. So, yes, that's everything that's going on. We've got a lot of games to get to. I believe the number is 12, Greg? I believe it's... What, thir- yeah, 12, 13? 12. I don't know. 12, nailed it. Uh, so why don't we get into it, and we'll start with the shootout at the Superdome. Drew Brees tied an NFL record with seven touchdown passes, and Kai Forbath hit a 52-yard field goal as time expired, lifting the Saints to a, oh my God, 52-49 to win over the New York Giants. And as I, as I said, one of the great shootouts in recent NFL history, a game that on two occasions... The Saints went up 14 points only to see the Giants come all the way back. The Giants actually took a lead in the fourth quarter on a pick six. Um, it wasn't even, I was going to say, one of Drew Brees' rare mistakes in the game, but that wasn't on him. It was a, it was a uh, catch and a strip that led to the inter- uh, fumble recovery. It wasn't even a pick six. Recovered. Nailed it again. Giants in the lead, but then here come the Saints one more time. C.J. Spiller with a touchdown catch. Uh, that's number six for touchdown passes or seven. And then the winner comes, Greg, on a, a, punt, a punt return, face mask, drills the 52-yarder. Insane game at the Superdome. The Saints alive. So alive. We bury them. We fork them. Mm. They've won three in a row. Their schedule is easy street uh, moving forward. I remember we threw out that idea after they won that Thursday night game, and we, we kind of poo-pooed it. And now you look at them, their offense has looked like the Saints' offense for the last couple weeks. You've seen this building. Now the Giants' defense and Steve Spagnolo, they have no pass rush. They can't do anything. So that should be taken into account. But you said, you know, maybe this is one of the great shootouts in NFL history. There's no doubt it's the most passing touchdowns in a single game ever. You know, Drew Brees tied the single, single mark, and they broke the combined mark, Eli Manning and Drew Brees together. Yeah, Eli Manning, what happened with Eli should not be lost. 350 yards, over 350 yards, Six touchdowns himself, a career high mark. Well, I mean, and it was, I think it was a week ago on Sunday night when I was saying, you know, the Saints defense is coming around and maybe it's time for us to realize that it took Rob Ryan time to get his young players involved. Well, forget about it. I mean, you've just given up 49 points. But it's also sometimes these weird shootout games have nothing to almost do with who the teams are. They just... They kind of unfold this way. In this case, with the way the Saints have been played all year, it does. And the Giants. I mean, these are the two Giants. of the worst defenses in the league. So it makes all I, the sense in the that's world. That's what I want to know. Last year when the Steelers and Colts had that great shootout, it was the best quarterback game I'd ever seen. Was this great quarterbacking or the two worst secondaries in the NFL? Because that's what the secondaries have been so far this year. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it, but you, I don't want to take credit away from Drew Brees, what he did, or what Eli did. I mean, it was, there was a point in this game where it was probably midway through the third quarter where they had combined nine touchdown passes and seven incompletions. So, yeah, there's some terrible uh, defense here. But these are also, and I know, Wes, you're not going to hear it, but I'm going to say it. These are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks performing at (laughs) an incredible level in a a big stage and bringing the best out of each other. 
Um, as far as the defense, I had an idea also. Right around the time I saw the stat, the nine touchdowns to seven incompletions, that this should have been a loser-goes-to-Canada match between Steve Spagnola, the Giants defensive coordinator, oh. and Rob Ryan, uh, the Saints defensive coordinator, and Canada being the home of a CFL team where they could be a linebacker's coach. Sure, I think that fits. I mean, it's fitting for Rob Ryan at this point. I'd give him that award. If Vince McMahon was the commissioner, that would happen. How about Sean Payton just putting it to his old charge, Steve Spagnola? I mean, people don't remember. Oh, you're loving this. No, I'm just saying, it, people don't remember this. Steve Spagnolo era Gratuitous in New Orleans because it was yeah. a disaster and he left there not a, a well-liked guy necessarily by his players or by uh, his ex-boss and to put something on him like that 52 Look at points the grin, Greg. Yeah. 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 Greg's like basically Super Bowl 42 never happened <laughs> right. because this of this absurd. game. This this game provided more joy I think to the fans in New Orleans and the Saints that they expected to get from this entire season. These are two teams that if the you know playoffs started now like the Saints are in the mix and the Giants are still leading their division. It just shows you how mediocre the NFC is at the bottom. I got to deliver a couple more stats about this game cuz it's a great all-time stats game. <laughs> The game yielded more than 1,000 total yards, 60 first downs, and over 800 yards passing. This is like, uh, Mark, you versus your brother in Super Tecmo Bowl in 92. No, not at all. I would destroy him regularly, and he would, he would attest to that. <laughs> all right. I mean, I was kind of just general statement, but we can get into I that was well. out. That was one thing I did well in life was Tecmo Bowl, Did too. you play with the Browns? I'll play with any team. I, t I, won, the, I won a 32-team championship with the Browns with a couple of neighbors. Mm. And this was a 1990 Browns team that went 3-13 and in real life, so that's coaching. <laughs> we used to have tournaments where we'd have offensive and defensive coordinators. We're sounding like... <laughs> that's so funny. We're sounding like the guys that used to talk about Stratomatic now. Yeah. When you talk about, like, NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. You brought but, us there. I did, and it was my fault. Super Tech Mobile was a great game. So, yeah, I mean, what do we... What, what was that, Chris? I was just going to say, good call on the, the big Odell Beckham game, too. Yeah. Wasn't that one of the, the, the headlines from the future going He actually was better than... I predicted two touchdowns and 200 yards. He actually only got 130 yards, but he had three touchdowns. He looked 100%. And, Mark, I have to... I'm going to put it in the end around this week, if for no other reason, just to make sure you see it. Because um, I know you read the end round every week. Religiously. I will religiously would on a Friday afternoon read it. The um, Fox telecast showed his pregame exercise routine, which now, you know, he obviously knows the cameras on him. At one point, he did a, uh, a forward roll in the end zone and then came up pretending to be shooting a gun like a detective <laughs> in like a 70s uh, t television series. I mean, listen, I think we all agree that he's an absolutely <laughs> phenomenal player and, and, growing, and growingly tedious with every week. Signetti, I'm parting you up. You're with Odell Beckham Jr. Or turn in your yeah, badge Signetti would no. love to have Odell Beckham Jr. right now. So, what? I mean, are either of these teams going to be in the playoffs? I'll just throw it out there right now. Because both teams are still in – the Saints are now in legitimate good position – to have a shot at this, or four and four to make a run at the wild card potentially. And the Giants at four and four, they're still like right in the mix of the NFC East. But we don't, West. We don't think either of these teams are very good, right? They're both mediocre. But I, Greg, you know, Greg mentioned it earlier. The NFC is so mediocre throughout. Really, the AFC is the stronger conference right now. Cowboys were loving this game. It's another another loss where just the winner of the NFC East doesn't look like they're going to get more than nine <laughs> wins this year. At least the Cowboys can feel like, okay, we're in it for another week. Yeah, you know what, though? I don't want to hear that with the Cowboys, and we'll get to them later, but you can't lose like nine games in a row and be like, hey, I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. <laughs> At a certain point, you stink. Yeah. Oh, they stink. All right, let's move on now to uh, a big AFC North showdown, the Cincinnati Bengals. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. Heinz Field. We talked about this on Thursday, Greg. If the Steelers couldn't win this game, AFC North is over. And it's guess over. what? It it's is. Over. Andy Dalton shook off a pair of fourth quarter picks, hitting AJ Green for the go-ahead score. The Bengals at the end of the game, 16-10 win over the Steelers West. The Bengals just locked up the AFC North, and the Steelers have lost Le'Veon Bell. The even bigger story. I don't think it's mathematically over, but yeah, I think essentially the AFC North belongs to the Bengals. And you have to admire their ability to, to kind of withstand the pressure that the Steelers brought. For the first time all year, the Bengals' offensive line lost the battle at the line of scrimmage. The Steelers got consistent heat on Danny Dalton. Mm. And they didn't do much for three quarters. And then when the game was on the line, Dalton responded after throwing two fourth-quarter picks and led the game-winning drive. And Sim- similar to what he did against Baltimore, where it was really his worst moment of the year, and then he ends up driving for the game winner. He did it here today. And yet all of this, as great a win as it was for Cincinnati and tough as for Pittsburgh, it seems secondary to them losing Le'Veon Bell for the season. Just as we're going up to tape this, Ian Rappaport reports he's gonna he has a severely uh, torn MCL and he is expected to miss the season and that is just a brutal that, loss. And that doesn't sound good when when the insiders are getting the word that it's not just a tear of your MCL, a severe tear. I mean that sounds like a long rehab process. Well, probably he's going to end up on IR. And and Wes, I ask you, is this a crushing loss for the Steelers in the sense that they're no longer a title contender without Le'Veon Bell? I, I believe that to be the case because I believe. As great as Todd Gurley is, Le'Veon Bell is probably the best all-around running back in football. He's so patient. He has such great vision, such a great receiver. And then D'Angelo Williams is all right. I mean, he's averaged 5.5 yards per carry in situations where Le'Veon Bell has been unavailable this year. So he's a good backup as far as backups go, but Le'Veon Bell is just so dynamic. Then again, just thinking about this game, like everyone, ex- I expected, you know, Ben Roethlisberger's back. This isn't an easy matchup, but they're going to score some points again. I mean, they scored 10 points today. It's, it's a little unfair. They, they had a really methodical opening drive touchdown that seemed a little too easy for them. And the life went out of the stadium when Le'Veon Bell got injured. They just couldn't do anything on offense after that. I mean, also, you're asking Big Ben after coming off a knee injury, and not that he rushed back, but no way is he 100%. He didn't have the same agility. It's going to take some time. I, I don't count the Steelers at all out of another murky AFC playoff race. And it is, it feels like when we say that AFC North is sealed and it's November 1st, that weird things happen in that division. We've but the said ba- a lot of dumb predictions. Well, right? we have, but the Bengals would have to comprehensively crumble. And the, tri- the triplets in Pittsburgh, which I think is potentially the best in the league, have been on the field together for what, about 25 minutes this season? Yeah, and they're not, so not going to happen. It's not going to happen again. And, you know, let's, let's talk about the Bengals a little bit here because now they're 7-0. and This is a game, I think, a lot of people expected them to get picked off here. And once again, they don't. And maybe even uh, more reason for optimism is Andy Dalton did not play a great game. This is probably his worst game of the season. Definitely was his worst game. And yet instead of a full-on crumble, Wes, he, had, he led them down the field and got the, the game-winning touchdown. So even in a, a day that was a down day, statistically still progress for the flaming ginger man. I would not call this progress for Andy Dalton. I admire the team's resilience, but this wasn't a good performance by him. This was a good performance by A.J. Green. And the defense, and maybe they get a little help from the running game and the offensive line, and that just speaks to the point that this is a team, that Andy Dalton's carried them some weeks, but it's a complete team, and the defense, I think, has quietly gotten a little bit better each and every they week got, this season. They got Vontaze Burfecht 
back today for base packages and had a huge impact. He's the guy who knocked Le'Veon Bell out of the game. And I know it's a division game, but they get the Browns on Thursday. They get the Texans at home after that. They That's are, two wins. They are looking at <laughs> most likely 9-0 and heading into deep November, which is just it's an amazing thing. Wes, uh, your favorite day of the year. Everyone knows it's the first oh, wild yes. card game on a Saturday in January known as West of it, because it's always, it's seemingly always the Bengals in that game uh, getting picked off. You go to a local bar and you, you drink <laughs> and you celebrate uh, you, uh, the P scale now. You, here's the scale one, dry pants. You're a grown up, no issues. You're feeling you got to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Ten, your pants are soaked with pee. All your <laughs> underpants are soaked. Went through your underpants into your regular pants. You got to go change your clothes because you're soaked with pee. Where are you standing? You know, last time you checked, I was about a 9.8. I think I'm at about an 8.4 now. Oh, it dropped. Yeah. How is that possible? They're they, going to be 9-0. They, they weren't impressive at all. But they're not going to be playing on that first Saturday. If nothing else, the West of this committee, you know, the parent-teacher association that plans it, you know, bakes the cookies, does all sorts of things, they're going to have to meet and officially move the holiday no, no, to no, a week yeah. later this year. Well, I don't feel like the Patriots are going to lose a game. and you know, well, That's a good point. I 2013 guess Peyton Manning showed up Sunday night, so the Broncos So you're saying not... you're counting on them being the three seed, then they still play in that game. That's fair. And they okay. get so bombed big... out by the six seed good point. on West of this. That's big, what they do. The big upside yeah, see, for Wes. I feel like he's you know kind of hoping more than using his football mind. He doesn't need to worry about this holiday at all. There are still 363 other days a year that Wes could go to a local bar and he will <laughs> but none and Wes you'll explain to Mark but there's nothing quite as special as that off day on Saturday watching his old Cincinnati team that he said I don't want you in my life anymore going up in flames it's a special day and it's a day I've been able to rely on for the past it's, half day well, your it's problem so it's shovel man the league's not putting the Bengals on Saturday this time this is a different Bengals team than they that, were on that, Sunday morning last time I think I schedule around <laughs> West of us at this point like Wes just gets that day off and he'll work the other playoff day it's totally preposterous all right (laughs) (laughs) moving on let's go down to big d russell wilson get clutch russ dangerous they call him and by the way russell wilson they do i saw your uh instagram page (laughs) dressing up as batman with sierra and renting out the batmobile dude get in control of your situation you don't need your woman running your entire life I'm sorry, by the way, TD. I, I know you're not. You're shaking your head. I'm not even. Sandy, to... I've never been a fan of that relationship. I think it's weird. I think he's just trying too hard, and that was that was that was dismal. Yeah. Right. Hold on. He rented out the Batmobile. Well, it's a, a well, theory. Well, it's not a it's real not like... car. It's a ver- it's a version. Of it. it's, it's a not version. Just one Batmobile. It just she's in total control mm-hmm. of the situation. Let's face it. Way to she stay was, grounded, Russ. She was the cat. cat Way woman. to stay grounded. Russell Wilson led a clutch 16-play drive, setting up the game-winning field goal on the Seahawks. Sent the Cowboys to their fifth straight loss, this time at 13-12. to Setback uh, at Gerald World West. Have the Seahawks started their expected surge, or do you still see problems for the defending NFC champions? That's a tough question because they, they did not play well. They had their usual litany of fourth-quarter miscues. Uh, it really started late in the third quarter when Greg Hardy had a deflected pass and an interception. They get a field goal blocked. They have ill-timed penalties. They have a, couple, they have a fumble. It's just Marshawn Lynch runs out of bounds. He's a veteran. He should have stayed in bounds to kill the clock. And they, they escaped because, because Matt Castle's a horrible quarterback. <laughs> that end sequence between that oh. Matt Castle had in the game, which is probably you know the, uh, the 
part of America that didn't watch the whole game ended up watching that last sequence. That was about as ugly a four plays in a row as any quarterback could have. To the Seahawks' credit, they clearly knew who was quarterbacking against them when they decided to roll Russell Wilson out for a play that would kill the clock instead of throwing to the end zone. They just wanted to leave Matt Castle with a minute instead of two minutes for a field goal. <laughs> when it was the play, okay, so take us through that, that, that sequence, Greg, because it was the rollout where he took the horrible sack, right? I mean, he held on to the ball forever. <laughs> forever. A couple of There was times. the uh, incomplete pass that they thought was a fumble for a touchdown. Yes. The fourth down play was really just uh, Doug Free was beaten quickly. He couldn't have done much about that. But it was just about as, as ugly as it gets. After a performance where Matt Castle... Had a lot of nice throws the week before, but this week Jerry Jones said after the game he thought Matt Castle played well enough to win. This and game? He said that well, after this just, game. They had just, four net yards in the fourth quarter. Who said that? He Jer- also Jarrett said Brandon that? Whedon's the most beautiful quarterback in the NFL. I was going to say, I get, we got to choose our words carefully. This is a owner of a, a team, but I will say, <laughs> Jera, at, at a certain point, everything he says is completely out of touch with reality. I mean... There's everything, whether it's been their offensive line or Brandon Whedon or Matt Castle or every or running Hardy, back they have or every running back. It's basically it's hey, make fun of the running backs, said. but McFadden is carrying this team. Well, he's 64 yards rushing. I mean, I, you know, I, I hear you. He's, he's, he, he totaled 113 yards, would have had 138 if not for a stupid illegal shift penalty. Second straight week that he's really the entire offense. Best 3.2 yards uh, per carry player in the league today. It's hard to rush for more than three <laughs> yards a carry when the other team has no respect for the quarterback. I, I am, I'm more surprised about the Seahawks offense in this game. And the Cowboys defense is getting better and better each week. But I thought the Seahawks offense had, had possibly turned a corner against San Francisco. And I thought Marshawn Lynch had looked a little better the previous two weeks. I think it's concerning you only put 13 points up. And Russell Wilson was lucky he only had one pick in this game. He could have had a couple more. Uh, on some Aaron throws. They also could have had 20 points pretty easily. And an offensive line that came under a lot of fire didn't allow a single sack today. Hmm. Wes, how did Des Bryant look in his uh, return? He clearly wasn't like at peak form. And Richard Sherman shadowed him around the field as he's been doing against top receivers. Sherman easily won that battle. Uh, it, to be fair to Des, Matt Castle was throwing the passes. <laughs> and he said as much after the game. I mean, he didn't he didn't call Matt Castle out, but he acknowledged that the the vast adjustment going Look at these Tony ducks Romo, Matt Castle's throwing. If you're right, the Castle YouTube. is ridiculous. And by the way, you can watch these Sunday shows on YouTube under the NFL playlist. Just throwing that out there. Shameless plug. And there was a lot of buzz. I didn't get a chance to watch this game too closely, but a lot of buzz on Twitter. Richard Sherman playing at an extremely high level, uh, whether the quarterback was good or not. But him shadowing now the best receivers in the league. Maybe that's the last uh, piece of the equation when talking about who's the best corner in the league. Earl Thomas tweeted after, or said after the game, I've never seen a nerd ball out like that. A nerd? <laughs> yeah, he called Richard Sherman a nerd. Four passes defensed, and I believe one of those catches was the first catch against someone Sherman was covering in three games. That's how Maybe well he'll get Richard a positive grade played. from PFF. We can all all dream. Oh, There's no way Richard Sherman orders um, Domino's on his phone. Of course not. I don't even know what you're referring to. It's a commercial that's on all the time uh, in which he, you know, he's ordering, he's putting the little pizza pizza emoticon. Mm. I want to go back and check check his feed to just call out false advertising. You are absolutely right. He has never done that. Crossing out one more potential sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you. We don't need them. Yeah, uh, smash cut to Damashek doing like a backstroke through Big Macs and dollars <laughs> falling upon him. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about the Around the NFL podcast. It's Sunday night on? and we are bitter. <laughs> it's Sunday night bitterness. Uh, let's move on. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, man. So they blew the big lead last week. Um against the Redskins, and they blew another one here. They were up 23 against the Falcons. The Falcons come all the way back, but in the end, the Bucks finish this time in overtime. They kick a field goal, then hold on for a 23-20 victory over the Falcons. Uh, Greg, you called this game the full Jameis Winston experience. It was. This season for him has been a lot of good. It's been a lot of bad. And it's been enough for you to believe he's going to have a good future as a starter. And that was what you saw in this game. You saw some ugly throws that should have been intercepted. Uh, You also saw some plays like in overtime or watching on YouTube. Third down play to Charles Sims. He has to complete that or else the game's over. Third and ten, he completes another pass. He moves the ball down the field. Then you get to the goal line. He has a potential game winner, and he just short arms it. And so they kick the field goal, and the game's not over quite then. So it was good, bad, a little bit of everything. But... I like that he just keeps going out there. He makes the Bucks fun to watch. That alone is a victory, that the Bucks are watchable. Oh, we did not think that would be the case at all. And, you know, you pointed it out, Greg, last week, that against the Redskins, had the game ended differently, the storyline would have been Winston because he's put together a couple of – it's not the whole game. You're right. There's a couple of weird things happening. But there is progress. I would be very encouraged if I was he, a Bucks fan. I thought he was outstanding a week ago. He was not outstanding on Sunday. Matt Ryan easily outplayed him. I'm not sure what to take from this game because the Falcons had almost 500 yards of offense. Uh, they outgained the Bucks by a couple hundred yards. Matt Ryan was sensation, you know, really just razor sharp the whole day, like a lot of people are against the Bucks defense. But they had they lost the turnover battle four to nothing. They they lost three fumbles in the first half. Two were, you know, one was on a center exchange, one was on a bad snap. It was just a, a one was on a play where Julio Jones just had the ball taken from him. So it was just a fluky sort of loss for the Falcons. So all the Falcons, good luck from earlier in the year, kind of evened out. In that this was game. exactly what I was thinking watching this game. That everything that went right for them the rest of the season went wrong. It was just a lot of unforced there. They look like the better it, team. You know, we I think Mark, you brought it up earlier today. Things changed so quickly. Things you assume in October look silly by the end of November. And there was a time where we said, well, obviously the, the Falcons or the Panthers will either win the division and the other takes the wild card. But are there any concerns that the Falcons are a team that could really uh, start to slump into a situation where they could fall out of the playoff mix? I, there's a concern. Their schedule is very favorable. But I've thought all... the easiest all, in the NFL. And, and coming up, at, you know, it's 49ers, Colts, Vikings, Bucks. It's like it doesn't get that much harder. I mean, that, that is harder some of those games aren't easy, but they're a team. I don't think you can count any game as a win. Well, they just lost to the right, Bucks in their I'm own saying. building. They're not. They're not that talented on defense. They have no pass rush, uh, and the passing game has been up and down. The defense it plays well together, but it's not a good defense. There's always teams like that, though. Remember the six and zero Josh McDaniels Broncos, yes. where he's running through the mile high, pumping his <laughs> fists after beating Belichick and the, the in the Patriots, and then they fall off a cliff. The difference with the Falcons, though is you've got a franchise quarterback and you have Julio Jones. Like, what, where they are good is not a fluke. That's true. And Julio Jones, after some quiet games, had 162 yards in this game and 12 catches. It just In every single throw was the exact same 15-yard in-breaking route to Julio Jones, and they just couldn't stop it the whole game. Tomorrow, a lot of a confluence of a lot of weird things happening. Tomorrow is the 2015 NFL Draft. The season never happens. Stay with me. You own the first pick in the draft. 
Do you guys take Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? Mark first. Mariota. Mar Wes. Mariota. Greg, come on, be a hero. Be brave. Side with Jameis. I'm going to go with Winston because that's what I thought Woo. going into it. And now I've seen enough to think I, li I like what I've seen. He's a little, the only thing that worries me is just some passes just, you know, missed by like After week yards. one, though, I thought Mariota would run away with the, the question you just asked. And it's interesting where we are right now. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, the International Series in London ended with a laughter as the Kansas City Chiefs put the clown suit on the Detroit Lions. A 45-10 win at Wembley Stadium. Greg, the Lions committed their worst sin, sin yet in this lost season. They made Alex Smith look interesting. <laughs> well, it wasn't that interesting. It was enough. What, 34 to <laughs> three. What they made is the Chiefs look like a juggernaut. I mean, the Lions are so bad. I just can't believe how bad they are. People want to blame Joe Lombardi. Fire everybody. The defense is has gone from a top five defense to a bottom five defense. Alex Smith ran for 78 yards, almost all in the first half. That's interesting. That is interesting. He was sharp. He's been sharp a couple weeks. I, if you had only watched the last two weeks, you would think the Chiefs are a playoff team. I mean, they dominated the Steelers. I know it was Landry Jones, but their defense was great, and their offense really controlled that game. And then this game was an even bigger laugh for the Lions. They're, they're a miserable wreck. Best thing they can do, best thing they can do is resist the urge to go with an interim coach, leave Jim Caldwell in there, and ensure that you get the number one pick. Oh, that's what <laughs> Well, what? That guy's a horrible coach. You know, speaking of things changing, by the way. They won 11 games last year. I don't, I don't think we can say he's that horrible of a coach. Oh, uh, he gone. Who would? All right. Games on the line. Your team is driving for a fourth. The fourth other guy. Score. Who would you, who's, better, who's worse than him in game management? I'd have to think about that. Andy Reid? Ken Wisenhut? Mike Smith? There's a few. It's, he's in that club, though, I think is Wes's point. I'll say something, too. You know, you, you got rid of the offense coordinator. Replace them with Cooter, of all right. people. Jim Bob Cooter. You know, uh, a gentleman uh, who climbed Cooter. into someone's window and tried to climb in their bed with them a couple years ago. So, Cooter. well, it's been like ten years. The all guy right, that well. he was like the best friend in Growing Pains. It's like, oh, where's Cooter? <laughs> Actually, it was Boner. Cooter was the guy who worked on cars in Dukes of Hazard. The, the funny true. thing watching this game was the first drive. They... I wasn't finished with my point, but okay. go, go ahead. Go, go, no, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. No, you get Cooter in there. I thought Growing Pains was your main point. No, no. <laughs> and you I had nailed a football it, point. You I nailed, nailed that, but I'm going to nail another one. Cooter enters the building, all right, in a, in a more, uh, you know, a more uh, heavy role. And you also get the O-line coach out of there. You think, oh, Amir Abdullah, they're going to work him in, this guy that we fell in love with back in August. One touch today. No, I don't What's know going on in Detroit? They hired Caldwell specifically to fix Matthew Stafford, and he's regressed. There, there's no doubt. And last week, you could have made the case Stafford played pretty well in that game, except for the fact that free rushers are coming at him all the time. Today, he did not play well at all. He panicked. He made terrible throws under pressure. The free rushers were still coming through, especially in the second half once it was a laugh. I want, I want to see a sourced report. Whose fault in Detroit is all, all these free rushers? Will Caldwell throw Stafford under the bus? Will Stafford throw Caldwell mm. under the bus? I think we know the answer. I, I heard one Joe of the coaches Thomas. say that the idea now was to simplify things and pair back the playbook for Matthew Stafford, who didn't seem like he's, you know, grasping well, it. Well, there's your Tecmovil reference. It's the first Tecmovil where it's four plays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How about this? A Big Mac, Mike, Mapa Mike McCagan, picks up the phone, the Jets general manager, and calls up Detroit and says, first round pick for Matthew Stafford. Who says no? 
I, I, I don't think the Lions would agree to that. I think the Jets would say no. Really? How does that, the Lions, do you the want Lions have a shot at the number one pick. You can get your franchise quarterback and get rid of Stafford's ridiculous salary. Right. You, I mean, you would still already you already pay Megatron $20 picks. million a year. No, but you would have then two first-round picks. That's what I'm saying. To rebuild, and you'd get Stafford out the door anyway. That's what I'm saying. The Jets would say no, not the Lions. Oh, Why do you, wow. As a Jets fan, would you want Matthew Stafford? Well, now that quarterback? my quarterback, my Fitz, Fitzmagic, just ripped up this his thumb. This week you're talking about. We just, Greg no just way. said they had to simplify that's the offense insane. for him. You'd have to come in there and learn a new offense in the middle of the year. I know. That's that's problematic. By the way, Better we, in the offseason. We were talking about the insane AFC playoff race. At 3-5, and five, the Chiefs are one game really out in the loss column, right. and they're like a lot. Of, unlike a lot of these teams that can try to convince themselves that they're somehow legit, the Chiefs have something, which is a defense. And they had their offense has played very well the last couple of weeks. Sharkandrick West looks like don't, a very good backup. I'm not don't let them reel you in. I'm no not way. saying they're good. I'm just saying they have something going. If they on. still had Jamal Charles, yeah. I would get I would get into this narrative because mm. I thought they had a bad schedule <laughs> that they had to go through early on. And they could have gotten strong and maybe been sneaking up on people without Jamal. Yeah, but Dan, if West is going to run for 97 yards and Alex Smith is going to run for 78 every week, you've got Jamal Charles. That's interesting. Uh, (laughs) Moving forward, Justin Tucker connected on five field goals, including his ninth career winner, to lead the Baltimore Ravens to a 29-26 win over the San Diego Chargers, a game that went back and forth, back and forth. West, the biggest story to come out of this game wasn't the outcome, however. Uh, these teams are both mediocre at best. <laughs> but the injury suffered to your boy, the boy of your stable of all time, Steve Smith. He looked so explosive on that play, too. Got the ball and took off running and looked like he had a chance to take it. And uh, Sniper, Sniper got him right in, the, right in the Achilles. Went down and... He, get, he entered that game fourth in the NFL in, in receiving yards per game. So he's playing at the highest level he's played in in half a decade mm. when this goes down. It's a shame. What, what were you thinking as you see him coming off the field? Were you feeling almost a little emotional? I mean, this, is, this guy I has was, been your guy. And when you saw that, it's a rare time when you're watching someone and, and thinking that, that probably is the last play of his career. It, it's hard to maintain that kind of perspective when you're trying to cover a couple of games and keep right. up with everything. I, you know, he's got the towel over his head when he, he has to be carried off the field, and you immediately think, I hope that's not the last play I ever see out of his career. And you wrote the post after the game. John Harbaugh suggested that he has some kind of inf- inside info that Steve Smith's coming back. And the report from Yahoo why they wouldn't trade Steve Smith was because they feel pretty strongly there's a chance he's coming back for 2016. I've heard that thrown out there, that wouldn't this make him more likely to come back? And I was thinking, well, but he's, isn't that why you retire, is that you don't want to be trying to... Mere mortals do, but not a guy with the biggest chip on his shoulder in NFL history. Well, the only thing, though, we've seen guys come back just as fresh from knee injuries in some cases. Achilles, is at, at his age, that's a long rehab, well, the, and that can it's slow really you down not. for a season. That is the one injury where the... The medical technology in the last 10 years has come leaps mm. and bounds, and now it's like a six-month injury. Isn't that what Crabtree had? Steve, Yes. Steve Smith in Baltimore uh, last year was very good, slowed down down the stretch. This year got off to another great start. Do we really, really want to see him come back next year and have his Andre Johnson season? I always want to let him go out like a warrior injured. He goes out how he wants. But I don't want, to have, I don't want a depressing Steve Smith season is what I'm going to say. No. 
But, uh, you know, if, if, if there's one guy that we want to have faith in that's going to do what we d can't ex don't expect, it would be him. The pity that you're laying on Steve Smith, mm -hmm. that's what's going to drive him to come mm -hmm. back. I hope so. You know who should, we hope should... hope there's blood and guts all over me. We should be pitying uh, the rest of us who have to cover Ravens games this year. I mean, he had more than double the amount of receiving yards as the next closest receiver on the team, who is Kamar Aiken. More than, way more than double, almost triple. Flacco's... They're going to be tough to watch. They win this game. And then the Chargers, as bad a loss as this was for uh, the Ravens to lose Steve Smith, they not only lost this game, and, and again, a wide-open AFC, they lost Keenan Allen, King Dunlap, their left tackle, Corey Legit, Chris Watt, and Ladarius Green, all in this game. This that's, wow. doesn't even seem remarkable because this happens to Chargers every week. <laughs> right. Guy was saying during yeah. the game they ought to get rid of the golf cart that they come out and just use a double-decker bus. <laughs> just get everyone off the field. It's, Bring out your dead. They have had some terrible luck. It's I I know you, I know they you know you've mocked the Chargers fans Dan over the day. I, I did feel, not. I feel for the Charger fan. Wait, why would you no. say that I mocked the Chargers fans? Well, I you never said they weren't even good enough to. No, be Dan is simply rankings. not signing up for the idea that they're the most passionate fan base, and you no, can't. No that stadium is half filled. with I just feel fans. bad for for that team right now. Well, they may have a new coach. I think after the season, if you want to put together your list of hot seat coaches, I think McCoy suddenly finds himself mm -hmm. on that list. Before we bring uh, Colleen Wolf in, Connie Fox, as she's known by some, and it's been clarified why she's called that, uh, just a few other ideas for sponsors for the podcast if they're listening. Apple. I feel like that would be a nice fit. Sure, that would be... Just saw the Steve Jobs movie. Loved it. Although they don't love it, so didn't love it. Okay, good move. <laughs> Nike. I'm wearing a pair of their, their kicks right now. Great product. Just They're very it. independent. They're looking for small projects. Just uh, do it, Nike. What's just going just on do right it. Now? Uh, Chase Bank. Great bank. Deep pockets. A little bit I of an underdog, underdog financial institution. I go to Chase. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Like the name. Not the top of my list. Okay, what about uh, one more? Uh, cornhole, like the leading cornhole manufacturer, whoever it may be. Cornfantry.com is the first cornhole business in America. It's in Cincinnati. Bang. So there you go. We'd be sponsoring them, basically. If you are a... Sounds more, that one sounds more uh, believable, realistic. <laughs> if you are a shadowy league figure uh, with any of those companies, come at TD. I'm sure he'll get the deal done. All right. With that said, let's bring in our friend. There is our friend in the Around the NFL <laughs> awkward ISO cam. Yes. Hello, hello. What's up, Colleen? Hey, Dan. How's it going? Colleen Wolf, of course, uh, the NFL Game Day Blitz now. NFL Now Game Day Blitz. Got it! Yes, with uh, Dave Demshek and the gang. You do a lot of work on Sundays over there, like seven hours, right? It's a long show, yeah. But mm. you know what? It flies. Flies by. A lot of games, a lot of things happening. I bet. Sessler so, yeah. was on the couch uh on today's show, did you think you fit in? Yeah, he always <laughs> fits in. We need more of you guys on the show, I think. Okay, more we'll work on that. Uh, Colleen, back <laughs> as she is. This is her other regular gig on Sunday. She yes. sits in on some games. So why don't we get into some more games? It's great to have you. It's great to be back. And by the way, we get it. You work for the NFL. With the shirt, come on. Thanks. Just in case you got, forgot. Got extra money for that? I'm just waiting for my Danish still from the wow. um, mm, fork meetings. True. I haven't gotten it. Whoa, that got awkward. So. Let's move forward. We'll start with the Minnesota Vikings, who got a 36-year-old, 36-yard uh, field goal from Blair Walsh as time, time expired, lifting the Vikings to a 23-20 win over the Bears. 
at Soldier Field. Colleen, another shaky day for Teddy Bridgewater this season, but he connected with his new favorite target when it counted most. Yes, Stefan Diggs, Grave Digger. First of all, I love his celebration dance. It's amazing. I like that. But this guy, I mean, he was a fifth-round draft pick. I didn't expect him to play the way that he's playing now, and they desperately need a guy like him when they have guys like Cordero Patterson and Charles Johnson and Mike Wallace who are doing anything they need him to really step in and step up, and he did. And now that they have Adrian Peterson doing Adrian Peterson-like things, that helps. Here's the thing with Diggs, too, and this would be a reason to be even more excited. The Bears obviously had done their work and prepped for him. I think he had four yards receiving at halftime. And it's because, like, what happens with actual good receivers, even when they they get stopped initially, they find ways to get open. He ended with 90 yards, the big touchdown to win it. This guy's a real player. He's, yeah. He's been so good so quickly that you wonder why the Vikings didn't have him active the first few weeks of the season. Not to Their mention, best receiver sat on the Why did he get taken in the fifth round of the draft? Right. We've got seven first-round picks. Only one of them is uh, doing anything. Tell us why, Mark. Why wasn't he These picked? things happen. I mean, scouts are human beings that, you know, they're on the it's road. Never they're happened. tired. You know. <laughs> it should never happen. They don't get everything right. This game was the Vikings' entire season, that they looked poor for most of the game and that they find a way to win an ugly game against a bad team. They could not be less impressive at 5-2 and two than they are, but it really doesn't matter because they can try to figure things out as they go, and they've got a nice little record now. I asked top. Bucky Brooks on the couch, why, like, why is it that Norv Turner's offense seems to almost have taken a step back this year? And he, his opinion was that they have to actually focus on the ground game this year. That it's, it, Adrian Peterson obviously is Adrian Peterson, but they were just basically throwing the ball a ton at the end of last year. And they don't seem to be the same team. At 5-2, and two, I, they're the least impressive 5-2 like team Bucky always just says every team should run the ball more. That's <laughs> like, that's well, no, he was saying that that was the problem. Oh, they're having to try to Brooks. account for Adrian Peterson and the best running back in football that maybe it's thrown some of what they had at the end of last year off a little bit. Where's this Rosenthal Brooks heat? Yeah, no, that was not, unexpected. It's not hits at all. It's not heat at all. Oh. He, ask him. Well, we'll he decide really what's heat. Is- I think we all, the four of us, found it to be sort of a shot. Maybe you talk it out on the couch. That would be be good. Double shift for the couch for Greg. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You make it sound like it's a punishment. No, it'd be great. The more time to go through your points and get, you know, your points out. Your points. Good, good. Good points by everyone. And Jay Cutler's last game before his mega trade somewhere in the NFL, maybe Houston, right, Greg? Yeah, and I thought it might be Matt Forte's last game, too, but now he left with an ankle injury, and that could complicate things. And if he's in this game, I believe Jeremy Langford had the costly he did. drop that basically gave the ball back to Chicago and let them win the game. I mean, gave the ball back to Minnesota and let them win the game. Hmm. It's weird, but Jay Cutler like actually hasn't been playing that bad. He's he hasn't been well. making really like terrible that. mistakes. Yeah, That sentiment is very uh, – it's been prevailing this season – that everyone's like, hey guys, am I allowed to say this, that Jay Cutler's not I'm terrible? I'm nervous. Because he hasn't been. Well, I mean, this right. season on balance, he's been probably in the, right in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks, right? If they do want to trade him, I mean, they've set it up well with three pretty good weeks from Cutler. But you know, Connor Orr wrote a piece where it really has a lot to do with Adam Gase, who Cutler finally said, I want to do the things the way you did with Peyton Manning. Now, do we buy that? I don't know. But he has looked more always- functional. Count on Mark to spin it back to the OC. Mm. 
He has a well. He has a kindred spirit in Connor, who believes it's all these magical, you know, thirty-seven-year-old <laughs> offensive coordinators that are the keys that's like, to these wildly well, talented millionaires. That's who he athletes. spends like his entire week with. So there is some impact on on his play. I mean, I think it says that Gase—they've got good coordinators in Chicago. That, that the, they fine. really do. The coordinators are like your manic pixie dream girls. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that the listener would know what that means, but I, I would agree. It's a certain character. <laughs> Do we want to get into that? I don't know if we do. It's a certain character in a movie. It's a female character in which she's not an actual human being. She really just exists to help the male protagonist um, see the light and, and learn to enjoy life. But she's basically not like the idealized indie dream girl. Natalie Portman in Garden State. Got it. Yes. Uh, Nathan Rabin of uh, The Onion, I believe, is credited with it. We should we should at least not act like it was an original thought. But let's move on. Let's get out of this uh, and talk about Mark's Cleveland Browns. And Mark, by the way, first time Mark watched a game on assignment for the Browns, uh, completing his return to fandom. And it's fitting that the game was another uh, stomach churner. The Browns jumped out to a big lead on Sunday, but the Arizona Cardinals kept their cool, reeled off 27 unanswered points on the way, on their way to a 34 to 20 win. Mark, the Cardinals don't have to be perfect when Carson Palmer is playing at this level, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, forget the Browns. They are uh, apparently offering half their team up for trade at this point. The bigger story is the Cardinals. I mean, they had four turnovers and really put themselves in a hole in this game. And that's the only reason that Cleveland was in this, in this fight, was bad teams need turnovers to hang with a team like the Cardinals. But when you are as talented as, as, as Arizona is, they just found a way to overwhelm Cleveland in the second half, expose weaknesses. It was not Carson Palmer's best game, because this should not, they should not have been down as much early. Palmer had two deep throws, one to Floyd and one to uh, Fitzgerald, that were overthrown. They just, it wasn't as crisp as we've seen him in other games. And it didn't matter. In the end, they just absolutely took control of this thing. I think Arizona is the right pick for Team of ATL for what they did today. Six and two. Now, the fact that they don't have to be even at their best to be able to take care of teams that are, I mean, that's a sign of a good team that, that, that does that type of work. Yeah. Although we just talked about that coming off of Monday night's game, that they keep not playing at their best, that they keep having to struggle and ha- make things harder on themselves. They've lost a couple of these games, and now they've been in a couple of these games against bad teams. So they do need to stop doing that at some point. It's a really it's bad sign when you have to struggle your way to 500 yards every week. Well, you know what I'm saying. If, well, yeah, but that's a, a problem. But among the among the teams time. in the NFL, who can't you say that about the Patriots? Broncos, the Bengals. Yeah, see, I the think Broncos had a quarterback who didn't have a good game until week eight. And, they, and yet they're still undefeated. Yeah, but they've struggled. Like the Cardinals, by the way, a lot of uh, bad job by some of our listeners today. Nothing worse than premature honking in the first first quarter. Mm. Wow, oh, your team honking. of ATL not doing so great. Yeah. Premature well, see, honking. I, part of it is just the Cardinals have had the easiest schedule in the NFL. So I think you have to take that into account. We talk about schedule all the time. So I'm just assuming it is going to get tougher, and they're going to have to play better those weeks. They've obviously got the tools. They, I mean, they put this kind of performance up without John Brown. What's J.J. Yeah. Nelson all about? That's who came in for him, and he looks he pretty good. He runs about a 4 2 five, 40. He's incredibly tiny, and if there's a defender within the area, he doesn't catch the pass. Well, he, he looked better got today, it. and he, play, he played the John Brown role, got open, made a couple big catches. Brown, yeah, it's a rookie. Brown was you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Brown was active, but they just didn't play him. One of those dudes. Yeah, he sat on the sideline, and I think if, you know, if things had gotten real hot, maybe they would have put him in, but I think that Arians knew that this was not – 
in doubt once they started to hook. Like after halftime, you really could tell that the tide was turning. They know the Browns' defense has struggled against the run. They gave Chris Johnson 30 carries. When they have, the, it's surprising to me when you have David Johnson and Andre Ellington combined for four carries, and, and Chris Johnson. I wouldn't do that. And Chris Johnson yeah, lost two fumbles. Yeah, you know your yeah. coach is in love with you when you lose two fumbles right. and you still get 30 carries. I don't know why you would be giving Chris Johnson 30 carries. He's still a 30-year-old running back. You want to keep him as fresh as possible, and you got some options. Well, I'm but not sure that was the game judge Bruce Arians. I don't know if that was what they they've, wanted to do. They've turned him into a pack horse. Yeah. I mean, one thing about Cleveland, and this is a, why they're a disaster, they spent six <laughs> months telling you, you know, we're this, we're this tough team. They've got this offensive line. We're going to use two draft picks on offensive and defensive linemen in the first round. They run for 39 yards, and Josh McCown is their leading rusher. Wow. And they basically, Duke Johnson, who is their most interesting player in the backfield vanished in the second half i have two two browns things to run by you here mark first of all you and i have a sandwich prop who gets the three wins first the browns or the Cavs? well i lost that well the browns have now used up all their head start and they're both at two wins and i believe the Cavs have three games this week Ooh. so i think i'm browns gonna get needed to win well, this one. The needed cleveland this game. is lucky that they play thursday night and Ooh. they're not lucky because they play the bengals but if everything we'll went wrong for the Cavs. Then maybe Cleveland gets mm. there. I have essentially lost. Can this you just sandwich. let the Cleveland fans the enjoy their, yeah. their one good team, the Cavaliers? Not I'm happy for them. them. I'm not rooting against the Cavs. <laughs> you are this I week. said this sandwich. No, this sandwich is out. And here's one other. While Colleen looks up the Cavs' schedule, one other idea, Mark. We talked about you know they were at, the Browns were out of the league for three years of the '90s before they came back in '99. Right. With the 20 year anniversary coming up, why don't we do this? Leave the league for three more years. Come back in 2019 <laughs> as a third iteration. The second iteration, just wipe it away. It never right. happened. Fresh start. I like it. We discussed it earlier. I think what it does is it wipes out what is two decades of absolute madness, ugly, treacherous nonsense. Well, and it, then you reboot and you start over again. If but they then, trade their entire roster, you might get that chance. <laughs> you miss out on Gary Barnage's prime. Oh, it's right man. now. You don't want to put that off. No, Take you advantage. Can. Greg, you got to come with a harder out. sell than that. I, that's, <laughs> Gary that's, B. I'm happy for him. But Colleen uh, Wolf, uh, Connie Fox, our Cleveland Cavs uh, beat yeah, reporter. What do you got this. on the schedule? They, they have two this week against the Sixers. Oh, the worst Big team in basketball. Matchup. And it's the over. Knicks. Oh. Over. And yeah. the Knicks. By the way, be. Cleveland's so. not beating the Bengals on Thursday night. So. Well, and by the way, Josh McCown got hurt in this game, right? So Johnny Manziel might just get this now. I'm over Josh it. I'm over all of it. McCown, I think McCown will play. He is... I'll give this. The guy is he tough. He won't man. finish. He is tough. All right, let's move on. The Houston Texans set a single game franchise record with seven sacks on their way to a 26 win over the, I'm going to say it, and it's back, the Tennessee Titans. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mark, let's give the Texans some credit. They haven't quit on their coach despite last week's epic embarrassment. I don't have a lot to say. I, I don't even know how to well, set you up for this game, but uh, throw it out there. Someone had to win this game, and, you know, <clears throat> Houston's defense took over. Brian, Brian Hoyer, this is the weird thing. I, I watch him, and if you watch the full game, it's like, oh, yeah, he definitely is not the future at quarterback on any level. But he has, I believe, 14 touchdowns to okay. three picks th yeah. in the offense this year. So I, it, what, it baffles me that they ever settled on Ryan Mallett as the better option with what we've seen at this point. But still, you have no quarterback. They can't run the ball. This is another game where the running game was an absolute disaster for Houston. It was all about the defense because the Titans, without Mariota, they are what they were last year. They're unwatchable on offense. They're one of the worst 
offenses in the league, and they need Mariota back. Right. It makes you yeah. think so much more about Mariota, too. Absolutely. When you see how Mettenberger yeah. plays. That's it's what actually, I put in the post, was that if you're a Titans fan, you have to realize how good of a choice Mariota was. The last was, six that you have quarters for Mariota were pretty similar to the last eight quarters. It started, it started going pretty poorly for him his last couple games. I don't know. It's just the talent around them is so I th- Yeah, I think the link <laughs> is that he was getting killed just like Mettenberger was getting killed today. I mean, Mettenberger is not a good quarterback at this point. His play has fallen off a map, but he cannot. you got guys in your face all game long. Mettenberger's fallen off at all. He's the same guy he was last year when he couldn't win a game and couldn't move the offense. And if you could draw up a quarterback to get 13 combined hits between two players, J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless, it would be Zach Mettenberger with a slow delivery now, and no pocket move. Greg, let, let's call wait, Greg, let's call it like it is. That was a direct shot from Wes to you. Not now, just Greg. Now Greg Cosell. And I like Every Greg in the NFL just the <laughs> direct the one that's been I like Mettenberger, too, and I'm not about to write anyone <laughs> off after a season and a half, number one, but he's not he's not progressing in the offense There's right now. There's a positive way to look at it, by the way, for, if you're a Titans fan. I, I'm sure there are quite quite a few out there. You almost want the season to go into the tank because a lot of people don't like Ken Wisenhunt. They don't like uh, the offensive scheme. And you get to reboot the machine and get a healthy um, Marcus Mariota next season. And th- maybe a 3-13 and 13 ensures that, whereas maybe a 6-10 and 10 you might get stuck with Wisenhunt. They, they've year. lost 16 of 17 games. Yeah, but then you're starting a whole new offense. I mean, that, that's not great. Sound, that sounds nice, but that's what the Titans have been doing. You know, the Titans just did that to get Ken Wisenhunt. It's not like that solved anything. If no, you're... You want to look on the bright side? They just lost a game to the soon-to-be first-place Houston Texans after <laughs> Which is Monday crazy night. When you think about that division, how awful it is! They were annihilated by the Dolphins. They just cut Mallet, and now they're three and five, and they're just—I mean, right there. They're right. Be we boxed place. ourselves into a corner, forking the Jags and Texans. Now the Titans are out there, and they Wes, we got to just fork the, the whole division. When we get the committee that's, together, that's, we can't do you, Colin, do you want to join us again? Uh, yeah, can I? This time you get some Danish, but you got to get there early because the Danish goes right. quick. I right. should have told you that. Dan, yeah, Dan all right. Your well, yeah. Wait until you see what the Colts now. do Monday that's night. Then you're going to want to fork the whole division. <laughs> Wes won't back down. How about this? It, we got to at least consider the Titans now at one and six. Will you consider like forking crap. the whole division? No. Let's see Why? what the Colts do. Because then I Wait. think we got to fork the whole the thing. Oh, we someone had a good idea on Twitter, everybody. by the way. No, fork. The someone fork. say yes, fork the whole division, and then the winner of the division, we give the money to the charity yeah, from the winner. We said that. Did we say that? Yeah. Never mind. Well, it was a That's brilliant a great idea. idea. Yeah. Now referencing ourselves. But I always, I don't want to. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what happens with the Colts on Monday. All right. Yeah. All right, moving on. The St. Louis the St. Louis Rams wrote an increasingly familiar formula on Sunday: suffocating defense, impact plays from Todd Gurley, added all up. A twenty-seven to six win over the stinky, ah, yes, stink, San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> uh, a game that exactly what you kind of would imagine from this game to be, which was Todd Gurley looking special. Uh, I wrote in the, our recap piece where what's it called again, Greg? What? What's our re- our weekly? What you learn? Things what you we learn. learned? What we learned? What we learned? Piece simply been the title for four years. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> so. Greg could have helped me out I, there. Yeah, I like he never he didn't know we I wrote the thing. I thought you meant your your special Rams. <laughs> oh no 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 no. Our weekly Article. recap: the thirty-four things we learned, or whatever special, it is. Though. I have seen the future of the running back position in the NFL. It's Todd Gurley. This guy is special. He went through the middle of the Niners defense on a seventy-one-yard touchdown run. Where he was again, it was it was very good blocking, but he just has that gear that very few players have. Special to watch, and and that's really all you needed. They were down three two 
at the point of this run, and if you're watching on YouTube on NFL Now, you can see it, uh, that the game was over at this point. It was 8-3 after this run. They did get the two-point conversion because the Niners are that bad on offense, and I don't know what else. At this point, Jim Tomsula's got to worry about his job, and he's got to think to himself, I know Blaine Gabbert's not good. There's a lot of evidence of that. But how much longer can I run Colin Kaepernick out there without risking this team quitting on me? Kaepernick averaged four yards an attempt over 41 passes in this game and yeah. just looked completely out of, el- out of his element once again. And you included in your post the, the clip of Kaepernick, oh. you know, about to take the snap, and he's got a wide receiver out on the sideline saying, excuse me, Torrey Smith, I am wide open. There isn't a single human being around me doesn't even see it. He's freaking out, too. There's not much more he could do to get Kaepernick's attention. And there's a receiver on the other side, too. And, and it seems like a funny play that it's almost unfair to make fun of him. But this is the precise reason why I think Colin Kaepernick is struggling as a quarterback, is his awareness. His awareness of everything going on around him. 28 or 30 other quarterbacks are going to notice that in that situation and throw it to him. He just never, he, he's never made the leap as a quarterback and grown. Um, the running back, the running game for the Niners is terrible. Uh, Mike James uh, and um, there was a character named Kendall Gaskins. Mike Davis, yeah. Mike Davis and character. Kendall Gaskins. I'm not familiar with Kendall's work. Uh, they combined <laughs> on uh, 10 yards and 15 His carries. <laughs> the Hain plane might be coming back because Reggie Bush... And by the way, Edward James almost dumb. Oh my gosh, that's an awful place. Get your act together. Right. They have concrete, unprotected concrete that runs around the, uh, you know, the barrier between the stands and the sideline. Last week, Josh McCown ran onto the concrete, slipped into the wall, banged his chest and shoulder. On, in today's game, Reggie Bush blew out his knee. He well, tore it's his ACL. helping the Rams, in, I mean, two weeks in a row. <laughs> well, maybe that's it. Not they lit their field on fire. They like, lit right, field. There's all sorts of issues going on and, inside the NFL. And perhaps, games now I don't down. want to look too much into it, but there's only one owner in this California thing that's actively trying to get out of the city. <laughs> and the stadium is turned into, like, the final level in Super Mario Brothers. It's a total disaster, <laughs> a minefield. It could be the, it, you know, we're joking, it could be the last, Play of Reggie Bush's career. There's no guarantee that he's going to get a chance to play again. And ultimately... He, he felt like he was a little bit at the end of the line this season. This is a guy who, when he came into the league, and even the impact he had early on with the Saints, one of the biggest stars in the entire NFL. And ultimately a disappointing career, I think. But had his moments, especially with your team, the Saints, Greg. In Miami. I, I think that changed my perception of it. Oh, when he ran for 1,000 yards, which is averaging well, 60 yeah, yards a game. Yeah, for what he was talked about before the draft, underwhelming career. Yes. Todd Gurley, five, best five-game start in NFL history for a rookie. Missed two games and barely played in a third. Is on pace to break Eric Dickerson's rookie rushing record. Mm. All you liver-livered people who couldn't, couldn't say after three games he's great, maybe we'll give him five years and then you'll finally be on board with how great Todd Gurley is. Maybe it'll take uh, him dragging this Rams team to the playoffs just like I predicted before the season they're starting to beat the bad teams we said okay is this rams team any different then they're going to take care of business against some of these bad you teams. Were, they're taking care of business because they are as ugly as possible at throwing the ball well, and they've also given winning. up 12 points in two weeks i mean they have a legit defense well that's yeah that's the you recipe. were right it has nothing to do with trey mason but they're the most exciting yes to watch just because it. it's Todd Gurley. exactly <laughs> well also because levy and bell is the odds the one of them would step up good couple minutes your boy trey Gary mason the, the most exciting running back in the league when was the last time the 49ers scored a touchdown like i'm actually 1991 having trouble actually remembering I, here here's august a 6. good 49er stat last two weeks 19 first downs 
and 19 punt. <laughs> wow. That's hard to do. By the way. It's the year 2015, and Kendall Gaskins, as you mentioned, was their leading running back with five yards or, or six <laughs> yards. And their two leading receivers today were Jerome Simpson and Quentin Patton. That's oh, just, that's brutal. It's not good. Dark times. It's not good. By the way, again, another reason to watch our show on YouTube, Greg's reaction to Wes seeding or uh, saying that the St. Louis Rams backfield is the most exciting, the hand motions. It's wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like any Wes uh, trying to give in on a point, he included some technicality, whereas he's not really saying no, that. Wes are. does build in those back doors. I'm the back door man. It was like, yeah. <laughs> no comment. We, uh, we should move on, and we will talk about – did you have something else to say, Greg? No. <laughs> Let's move on to the black hole where Derek Carr threw for four t- threw four touchdown passes and Latavius Murray went over the 100-yard mark for the second time this season, leading the Raiders to a 34 to 20 win over yes, the New York Jets who have now lost two in a row and uh by the way, don't look now, but the Jets and the Raiders both four and three when you look at that AFC wildcard picture, which is increasingly muddled. They'd be in right now. And now the Raiders have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Jets, so that could be huge in a couple of months. If the Raiders continue to look like a team that we should take seriously, and, and I'll say it again, I said it last week, the Raiders are the team that we, you know, we fork teams. When we fork teams, that says we don't think there's any chance they make the playoffs. And guess what? The Raiders, they look real good, and Derek Carr is a major reason why. Uh, he threw for 333 yards, uh, not 43 touchdowns, four touchdowns. <laughs> and, you know, you, you add it all up. If he's going to play at that level, and even with Darrell Rivas on the opposite side of the field, and Rivas did a nice job holding Amari Cooper in check, he's still finding guys. He, he got um, uh, Michael Crabtree going for 100 yards and a touchdown, which you would think would be hard to do in 2015. He got Latavius Murray in the mix, Taiwan Jones. I mean, this offense has some weapons, and they were making plays. Crabtree's been great all year with the Jets' defense looked terrible. Give Crabtree uh, some credit. He's looked good all year. He's one of the better free agent bargains of the entire year. And uh, I think we owe an apology, especially Wesseling, if we're going to start battling tonight to Reggie McKenzie. We buried Reggie McKenzie more than we could ever bury anyone. We owe him an apology. I'm just saying he's built. A team that has <laughs> developed. He's not going to apologize young, to anyone. What are you trying to do? Young talent. I don't really expect an apology. He's made. Sorry, I got signings. on you for the Matt Schaub trade, Reggie McKenzie. No, Sorry, just, buddy. We were, we've been saying Reggie's he, job is safe now. He's nice to lose a job that he needs sure. to be fired. He should have been fired last year. That's what we said. All that. And right now, they're a young team on the rise. That has a lot to be excited. Well, about. I think any GM could have drafted. Amari Cooper or Khalil Mack. He deserves a ton of credit because everyone passed on Derek Carr and he identified him as a franchise quarterback. And that's the most important move that any GM can make is locating the franchise passer. And maybe that's where the apology is because I think there were doubts about Derek Carr in this room. And I think that Derek Carr has turned into, it looks like, a really good young passer. And that's the difference for all bad franchises and good franchises. Do you have the quarterback? And they might actually have the quarterback. It's not crazy to think that this team could win nine or ten games. Well, and on the you know, on the flip side, we, we, we're watching the Jets today. And, and you, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a patch. is a one-year patch, right? And then in comes Geno Smith, and the trouble begins. Well, the, and, I, and I'm done with the Geno Smith business. This guy needs to not be on any football team, especially not in New York. Well, uh, wait. Well, I can't stand Geno Smith. I can't stand Geno Smith. Let's go through it, first of all. Ryan Fitzpatrick, on the uh, first series of the game, 
uh, goes into a QB slide, or not a QB slide, this is going to, because he's been doing this a lot, gets hit and suffers ligament damage in his thumb. He'll have an MRI tomorrow. He could end up missing significant time, which is bad news for the Jets. Geno Smith pressed into action, uh, may, did have moments in this game. And this is really the yeah, Geno Yeah, some of them not good. Right. This is the Geno Coaster experience. The where passing the, game was the best part of the Jets team, though, by far, right? Yeah, I, Gino, you, you can make excuses for Geno Smith all season long. I just, I, I think this is the Jets need to find another quarterback okay. right away. All right. Let me just get to this point. Sure. You know, Geno Smith played pretty well in a backup role today. But it you is were, still. You were complaining about him the whole game. He makes, this is why he's the Geno Coaster, is because he makes some plays. He kept them somewhat alive for most of the game, despite them being heavily outplayed on defense. But he ha- makes the mental and physical errors and holding on to the ball too long, not sensing uh, what's going on in the pocket, not getting out of bounds on a long run and taking a crushing shot to his chest. That kind of stuff that just leaves you scratching your head and you don't want that guy leading your team. I think he's okay as a backup, but if he's going to be the starter for the Jets for a period of weeks, uh, you could kiss the playoffs goodbye. He's going to make too many mistakes. Well, that's all I'm I, yeah. saying. I just I think this is he's too inconsistent. Sure. And he has these ceiling moments, but the last two minutes of the Jets' off, the last two drives the of the Jets' was over, offense though. was a disaster. But this is typical of what's going to happen in New York this week. The Jets didn't get a stop until five minutes left in the game. They literally did not stop the so Raiders. What, I want to know the what happened to the had, Jets' number one defense. Right. The, exactly. The Raiders. Right. The Jets got what was it? Eighteen yard, seventeen yards running on fifteen carries from Chris Ivory. But every, all the talk's going to be, well, you lost Fitzpatrick, you lost Gina. It was as bad a defensive performance as you could ever possibly. Yeah. Tackling was bad for the first time in this all this season. Tackling was terrible, especially on that Tywon Jones touchdown. There's four missed tackles. They have an issue in that they have this gifted young defensive line, but they still can't put pressure on the quarterback or at least get sacks on the quarterback. And that's leading to issues that when the when the secondary is not playing at a high level, and it wasn't today. Uh, Antonio Cromartie used an expletive to describe his play after the game. Marcus Williams, they took a gamble, Todd Bowles, and it blew up in their faces, who's a decent uh, third backup corner type of guy. They put him into a safety role, and he got absolutely shredded by Michael Crabtree in this game. Uh, so that didn't work out. So if the secondary is not going to be at a top level and you're against a good quarterback, and that's what Derek Carr is playing like, they're in trouble. I mean, there was a lot to get nervous about. Even Latavius Murray, everyone in the world was predicting he wasn't going to do anything. He was running through this Jets defense. It was just not a good effort. Yeah, over and 100 yards again for him. But you yeah. go into this game and you think, like, this Jets defense and Todd Bowles, the Raiders don't have a chance at all. Now the Raiders are 4-3. and three. Dan's team loses 34-20. My team loses 34-20. There West, will be drinking. The Bengals win <laughs> a tough game on the road. That, that's tough for West. I mean, this is an offensive team, though. This is their MO. They are an explosive offense. The defense for Oakland's not anything. They're one of the hottest teams shape. in the league, the Raiders are. And next week, they go from up-and-coming team that surprised us to a legitimate wild garden tenor. They go into Pittsburgh next week. They can really make an even bigger statement then. And people are telling on Twitter... You know, people like to have their fun when the Jets lose and whatever, guys. I will say this. You know, people are like, <laughs> There's oh. There's real pathos there. Time to uh, unfork the Raiders. There is no unforking. Yeah. And whether we whether we like to or not is a different conversation, but we just don't. Once we fork a team at that time, we have made the decision. They have no chance of making the playoffs. But in this case, it's starting to look tricky. Greg has a big donation going to the Oakland Bay Area Young Republicans. How about the Oakland Save Our Team Fund? Keep that the could Raiders use some money, too. 
Maybe this is going to be like the script to a bad Disney movie where they win the Super Bowl and keep the team in town. You can do it, Derek Carr. (laughs) Your charity donation is going to keep the team in town to win the Super Bowl? No, I'm saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, and that'll keep them in Oakland. Greg's charity donations are really more of like a a vessel to raise his profile. Mm. So that like would any big sense. philanthropist, this is more about getting the, you know, the acclaim for being a philanthropist. Right. Okay. So, let's move. Colleen, why don't you stick around for Sunday Night Football? Let's talk about sure. it. Sure. It was a, a game that two undefeated teams, and you're thinking, oh, this is going to go down to the wire. Alan Chris going to be all pumped up, but guess what? It didn't work out that way at all. It was a one-sided affair. Peyton Manning went 21 of 29 for 340 yards. No interception. Throwing the ball like it's 2013. C.J. Anderson goes over 100 yards with a touch. Who saw that coming? And even more shocking, to me, the most shocking stat line of the entire season, Aaron Rodgers, the greatest quarterback alive, throws for 77 yards. You could do the math. A 29-10 win for the Broncos over the Packers. It is the Broncos who remain undefeated and looking like uh, one of the very best teams in the NFL. And, Greg, you know, we were saying downstairs while we were watching this game, if the Broncos could even get average play on offense and average play from their quarterback position, it's time to look at them differently as not a flawed undefeated team but a potential Super Bowl contender. This is one of the most significant results of the season. I don't think that's stepping out on a limb because – The score doesn't indicate what a boat race this is. The Broncos just played the Packers, a a team that's a little bit healthier, 500 yards to 140 total yards. If you put the Patriots up against the Texans each week, you would not expect it to be that one-sided of an NFL game. So the Packers did a good job to even keep this close, but Denver did exactly what they wanted to do on offense. The run game looked like a Gary Kubiak running game. Peyton Manning went down the field, and the Denver defense played even better than you would expect against this Packers offense. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. We yeah, have to start to ask if this Broncos defense is one of the best we've ever seen. Yeah. If, it's early, season, but yeah. So they far. shut down the Packers no and Aaron Rodgers. They made him look shaky. Pretty Pretty good good test. They've had as good a half anything. a season as any half a season that we've seen. I mean, there's plenty well, of other good ones. Rodgers' Ravens, previous Bucks, low in a game was 142, and it was 77 tonight. So that was significantly lower than any game he started and finished. And I think if you're the Broncos and you sat down over the bye and tried to dream up a best-case scenario game for your coming out of the bye. They couldn't have done this in their wildest dreams. You find the running game, Peyton Manning throws better than he has in a calendar year, and the defense shuts down the best quarterback in the league. I mean, we should not, we cannot overlook, and we're giving it plenty of time, but just again, like Aaron Rodgers, we've had conversations and, and we've written breathlessly about how this is guy playing quarterback at the highest level it can be played. And yes, we're starting to maybe see some wear uh, on the offensive machine in Green Bay because of the guys that they're missing. But to do what they did, make Aaron Rodgers look like Colin, Colin Kaepernick. I well, mean, let's that, not get carried away. Well, well just from a, st- a statistical standpoint, that tells you that we might be watching something special to what Cecil was saying. was like, if you have a great front four, you can get to the quarterback very easily. If you have a linebacker, uh, linebackers that can cover and maybe the best secondary in football, what's missing there? No, nothing. But I think it's, you know, this is unusual because we don't see the Packers ever have a game like this. But to me, it has more to do with with the Broncos than Green Bay. Although Green Bay's offense last couple weeks has not been what we expect. And then they ran into a buzzsaw tonight. They're clicking on no cylinders. And at the risk of filling the boss's head too much, he's the one who preached a couple of weeks ago that 
The Broncos, this could all turn around, and if Peyton Manning gets it going, they're a Super Bowl team. Ooh. My head is just Ooh. blowing up. <laughs> you can feel the air flipping. I also said after week one, I think this Broncos defense, is a, or before week one, that has a chance to, to rival those Seahawks defenses of last Anything year. else you said you'd like to bring up? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's it like to never be wrong, right? <laughs> I just love that they got the running games going here, too, because Gary Kubiak, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that, and we saw how Peyton threw, was just throwing interception after interception, 160 yards on the ground, Ronnie Hillman, two touchdowns, you have C.J. Anderson, another touchdown. That's what they need to do, and that's what they're doing. And how about Peyton Manning? This guy, he was throwing the ball like a guy that doesn't have a dead arm, that, that isn't coming off six of the worst games of his career. He looked like Peyton Manning. Well, the one thing that Peyton Manning fans could hold on to the last three weeks is he had two or three really good throws every week. We, we talked about that. It, it was just the decision-making and the consistency, and he just wasn't hitting a lot of them. But he would have two or three wow plays where you're like, wow, I mean, that's a nice 30-yard you know, deep out down the field. It's not like it hasn't been there. It's just for all this to come together now, is got, you would think is going to give them so much confidence in terms of moving forward what type of team they can be. That's, that was one of the reasons, what's one of the reasons to believe in this team is the players around him. I mean, Demarius Thomas isn't any worse. Emmanuel Sanders isn't any worse. In theory, the running game could be pretty good with Gary Kubiak. Well, and, any, and in, in Kubiak's offense, anytime you're rushing for 160 yards, the quarterback is put in a much better position. And that's not what's that's not been the case for Manning for almost all season. But he did look different tonight. He did. His throws were much different. Yeah. The, re the receivers in, in Green Bay, I think this um, matchup highlighted the kind of struggles they could have in the NFC playoffs against, for instance, Seattle and some of the really physical cornerbacks. I mean, this Denver secondary is incredible. And right now, Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, I mean, that – that group isn't really getting the job done. I mean, I don't think they're probably getting open too well. They're, they're starting to look a little flawed. Their defense, too. You give up 850 yards to Peyton Manning and Phillip Rivers in back-to-back -back games. Mm. All right, so that's it. That was a, a really comprehensive, professional rundown of the week that was. Congratulations, guys. Well, some of that bitter stuff, maybe not quite as professional as other parts of the show. Uh, well, there are always parts of the show that aren't professional. <laughs> the part but... about the P I thought was good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wes. That was super I proud. I think I missed that. Well, we were asking uh, Wes's pants if they were soaked with pee or if they were dry. Oh. You'll have to listen yeah, to the show to find out. The context is important, but, okay. you know, yes. we don't need the context. Colleen, you've said it all. You've done it again. You've come in here and hit a home run. Thanks. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Connie Fox. And that is not an inappropriate name. No. For Colleen, it was a high school Yes, nickname. that was my high school nickname. So, everybody, no, get off of their back, yeah. PC police. And shadowy league figure. Am I right? Uh -oh. Greg, am I right? Just the kids, it's kids today. It's like, you can't make fun of anything, you know? <laughs> what happened when men were men? You know what I'm saying? What is happening? I don't know. <laughs> we will be back on uh, Tuesday with our, uh, we're going to have our Monday night recap, Thursday night football preview, and all that uh, good fun. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Uh, but for now, that is it for the Around the NFL podcast. Stan Hans is signing off for the Quiet Storm. The mailman, Connie Fox, the boss, and TD behind the glass. Till Tuesday.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 